This is your morning wake-up call on Sports Country. Grab a cup of coffee and hang with us every weekday morning for the latest news, sports, and other things going on around the world and in your backyard. Now, here's your host, Gene Gums. Well, good morning, everybody. (coughs) It is six minutes past nine o'clock here in Hayesville, North Carolina. Welcome to a Monday morning wake-up call on Sports Country Radio. I'm Gene Gums. It's the 11th day of April 2022. Beautiful day down here in the southeast. Hopefully it is nice where you are. Uh, Lots to get to this morning, obviously. The Masters finishes up yesterday. Baseball everywhere. Uh, tragedy uh, that happened on uh, over the weekend on Friday. We didn't get a chance to talk about uh, with Dwayne Haskins passing away uh, when he was hit by a, a vehicle down in Florida. We'll get to that as well. So uh, we've got a lot to get to. So uh, buckle up for the next uh, 60 minutes or so, and we'll, uh, uh, we'll get to everything. Let's start off with the Masters. Of course, Scotty Scheffler, the number one player in the world, wins the Masters tournament, wins it uh, fairly easily, I guess you would say. Um, Finishes up 10 under par, a 278. He wins by three shots over over Rory McIlroy. Uh, what a uh, final round by McIlroy, by the way. Um, a 64, eight under par, the final round. He started the third round or the fourth round, one over par. And he was the only one to kind of be able to put any pressure on Scheffler. I mean, Cameron Smith did for a short time. The first, I think, uh, within the first two or three holes of the fourth round, Smith had it back to a just a one-stroke advantage for Scheffler, uh, but then an eagle for Scheffler. Uh, Smith, a couple of bogeys. Smith ends up uh, finishing two over par on the final day. He finishes 500, tied for third with Shane Lowry. But uh, Rory McIlroy, uh, the only one uh, to put a, a really low number up on that final day. Scheffler finished one under par on the final round. Uh, but most everybody else, look, the conditions were not easy the last couple of days uh, for sure. So Scheffler, 25 years old, $2.5 million. Not a bad payday for four days of work. Uh, and for him, I mean, look, this is a guy that just got his first master's invitation two years ago, and he said when he got it, he cried. Well, now Scotty Scheffler will be at the master's for as long as he wants to be at the master's. He has a lifetime invitation now after winning to be able to play as long as he wants uh, the Masters. That's one thing. Look, I have some issues with the way the Masters runs the tournament, the fact that you know they have that very awkward interview in the Butler cabin when it's all over uh, where, where the chairman of the board of the Masters uh, of Augusta National uh, is the one is asking questions before Jim Nance ever gets to it. It's just it's a cringeworthy moment most of the time, and Jim Nance's guy's got to be sitting there, you know, good. and they're very dictatorial about the amount of TV that's allowed to be on. And you know, it's just, it's crazy. Uh, but it is what it is. It's, it's a, a great tournament, uh, despite that. And now, now Scheffler will be able to be a part of that for the rest of his life. So, uh, good for him. 
Uh, of course, everybody talking about Tiger Woods over the weekend. Uh, first couple of rounds, he was still in there, and then uh, the wheels came off the last two rounds. He ends up finishing 13 over par, 47th in the tournament. I think there were 51 that made the cut, so he only finished ahead of four other guys. Um, but, you know, the funny part is, and as competitive as Tiger is, he wasn't upset. You mean, you know, he talked about just being grateful that he was able to be there, talking about the challenges that he has, you know, that uh, uh, with the flexibility and, and uh, the stiffness and, and things like that. And and uh, he said, look, you know, he said, uh, we just go on. He said uh, uh, he's planning on playing the British Open, which is great. Uh, thinking about playing the PGA maybe in May, we'll see. That's about a month from now. I think it's May 19th or 20th is when that one starts. Uh, so he, he said he's undecided about that, but he's going back to prepare as if he's going to be able to play in it. And he said, look, I'm never playing a regular schedule again. He said that before. That hasn't changed just became he, because he came out to play the Masters. And you could see as the tournament was went on, uh, the limp became more pronounced. And uh, But look, you know, a year ago, he's in the hospital. And he still has rods and and uh, screws and, you know, all kinds of stuff in his leg to keep that thing uh, together and uh, and to make sure it, it healed properly. So, uh, you know, it is a great accomplishment. Hell, you know, I mean, uh, the fact that he's able to play golf at all, you know, and like he said, the fact that he's able to walk at all maybe is nothing short of a miracle. So uh, good for him. And uh, look, you know, and, and maybe we're only going to see him at major tournaments from now on. You know, he talked about cherry picking, and it might just be the majors and maybe one or two other tournaments. We might only see him six or seven times a year, and that's going to make the tournaments that he does compete in. You know, the majors, I mean, the majors are the majors, but any other tournament that he chooses to play in, it's just going to be Tiger Mania, you know, and that's fine. Again, I mean, uh, he moves the needle. He's great for the game, whether you like Tiger Woods or not. And, you know, there's a lot of people that don't like him, you know, and, and, uh, and you know, they're the holier-than-thou people, you know, and, and that want to talk about, well, you know, he cheated on his wife, he did this. He did, hey, look, you know, none of us are perfect. And, you know, the old saying goes, let you without sin be the one to cast the first stone. And I don't think that any of us, if we really look in the mirror and look deep within ourselves, there are none of us that are so perfect that we can judge anybody as if, oh, I'm, better, I'm a better man than he is. You know, I mean, that, that that's just a load of crap. And the other people that maybe don't like him are people that are fans of other golfers and they're tired of what they were tired over the years of watching him kick the crap out of everybody else in the field. And, and they would say, you know, having somebody be that dominant is not great for golf. And, and I would tell you, and, and the numbers would tell you that is the exact opposite casual fans. My wife's best friend, Ann, that was here, uh, you know, said, said, you know, when she was here, when we were watching the Masters, she said, I'm, I'm not a golf fan, you know, it's not something that she watches, but she's fascinated by Tiger Woods, and she's not the only one. And it brought a lot of people to the game that ordinarily would not have been watching golf. 
and he has put money in the pockets of everybody else. I'm telling you right now, if it weren't for Tiger Woods, Scotty Scheffler's prize for winning the Masters yesterday wouldn't have been $2.5 million. It might have been half that. And that's not hyperbole. The amount of sponsorship, the amount of television revenue that the PGA Tour gets because of the way Tiger Woods has moved the needle and the extra fans that he has brought, not just to the course, but watching it on television, you can't put a price tag on it. Well, I guess you can put a price tag on it, but there is no question that he's been great for golf, and any other golfer will tell you the same thing. Sure, they want to beat his ass, but they will also all tell you that, you know, they owe a debt to Tiger Woods. Just like uh, probably the uh, some of the older golfers probably owe a debt to Jack Nicklaus for as dominant as he was. Although when Jack played, there were other people. Jack was dominant, but he wasn't as uh, over-the-top dom- dominant as, as Tiger was. I mean, Tiger's just, you know, I mean, it's what he's been able to do in his career <clears throat> is ridiculous. You know, tied for the uh, the most wins ever on the PGA Tour career. He tr- still trails Jack uh, in majors. Jack at 18, 15 for Tiger. Um, but Jack didn't win 83 tournaments. Although I will say, if you look at Jack's runner-ups and, and victories, uh, you know, and you total that to what Tiger has done with victories and runner-ups, uh, you'll find that uh, Jack's numbers hold up pretty well. It's pretty amazing. But uh, but so, you know, look, if we only see him six, seven times a year, that is what it is. We have to be content with that. He's 46 years old, and he's fortunate to be walking. So, uh, yeah, and, and look, just for a moment, for a day or two, you know, at least for the first day for sure, we got a glimpse of the fact that, you know, how great this guy can still be. I mean, for God's sake, he was one under par, you know, with a leg that had to be surgically repaired a, a year ago. Amazing. Absolutely amazing. All right. Uh, so let's move on to baseball. And uh, here's the good news. Uh, if you're a Red Sox fan, we now know they will win a game this year. Oh, matter of fact, they did. They will not go 0-162. and Not that there was ever a chance that that was going to happen. But uh, Red Sox fans can breathe a little bit. They managed to salvage one of the three games from the New York Yankees. They win yesterday 4-3. to three. Uh, You know, look, here's the thing, too. You look at it, and they won the game yesterday. It's, that's, you know, but they could have won all three of these games. They had leads early in each of the three games. You know, that stupid uh, extra innings rule. Uh, with the runner on second base to start extra innings, uh, probably cost them game two. I mean, who knows? But I hate that rule. Fortunately, it's going away next year, I believe. Um, or maybe they will they will extend it to the eleventh inning or something. But it's just it's just stupid. Uh, and and game one, uh, you know, they had chances. Game two. They had chances. They had the 2 nothing lead, but then they give up, you know, two-run home runs were the story of the day, and John Carlos Stanton wore them out. And yesterday, Tanner Houck got the start, and I have to be honest. I mean, I know the Red Sox scored two in the first inning, had the 2 nothing lead. 
Then it was three to one going into the fourth. They tie it up in the fourth inning. Tanner Houck was awful. Got the start, and folks, he was awful. Gave up six hits and three in the third. Hit a guy, had no idea, no idea where his pitches were going. Three and a third inning, 78 pitches, 45 for strikes. You know, he, look, he's got an incredible amount of movement on that slider. But the problem is, and, and, you know, it's all well and good to have great movement on pitches, but you've got to be able to know, you know, you've got to be able to control that. And he had no idea, no idea where it was going. And, look, Alex Cora said to him, look, he was all over the place. And he said, I told him. You know, when I was taking him out of the game, he said, you know, I told him that he was important to us. We're just going to throw this one away and make some adjustments. We saw this in spring training that he was very, very inconsistent with his location, that he just did not have command yet. And he struggles mightily against left-handed pitching. You know, that right-handed, that that slider is great against right-handers because it moves away from the batter. But if your location is a little bit off against lefties, they are going to crush that thing, and they did. So, and, and this is where you get concerned. You look at the fact again, you know, Nate Evaldi starts game one for the Red Sox, a game they probably should have won. Game two, Nick Pavetta starts, a guy that shouldn't be a number two starter on anybody's team. This is a guy that was their number four last year, and that's probably where he belongs. He'd be a great number four starter. But when he's your second best pitcher, that's a problem. And then Tanner Houck, a guy that did the the shuttle between Worcester and Boston all last year, and uh, you know they they tell him this spring that look you're in the rotation, you're on the team, you know there's not going to be any shuttle, you know so settle in. But this is a guy that should be a number four, number five guy. He's a young guy still trying to find his way, and you're chucking him in there in the middle of your rotation, saying, "Go ahead, fellow, we need you." That's a problem. And then today, it'll be Michael Walker, a reclamation project, who hasn't had a good year in a long, long time. Don't even know if he's capable anymore. What has he got left in the tank? We'll find out today against the Detroit Tigers. The story of yesterday's game, though, well, two things. Number one, Bobby Dahlbeck hits his first home run of the year, a big one in the sixth inning, and uh, gives the Red Sox the 4-3 lead, and the bullpen hangs on. Look, the bullpen was... Nothing short of amazing yesterday. Five and two-thirds shutout innings. Now, Cutter Crawford got the win. Two scoreless innings. It it was a tightrope, to be sure. He gave up four hits. Three of them in uh, the first inning of work. He somehow managed to get out of that. He strikes out three. Doesn't allow a run. Didn't walk anybody. Picks up his first career victory. Good for him. Um... But then uh, Matt Strom comes out of the bullpen, a scoreless inning. Hansel Robles, a scoreless inning. And then Jake Diekman comes in in the ninth inning to get the save. And he has to face the three, four, five hitters for the Yankees. Aaron Judge, John Carlos Stanton, who had hit home runs in six straight games off of the Red Sox, and Joey Gallo. Well, he strikes out all three of them. Aaron Judge put on a hell of a bat 11 pitches before he finally got him. He made John Carlos Stanton look stupid. And Joey Gallo uh, couldn't have hit that with an oar. He had no idea what the hell he's doing. So Diekman picks up the save, and the Red Sox get the victory, and thank God. So um, so everybody that's uh, in Red Sox Nation can take a breath. 
A uh, few other things about last night. Uh, the ESPN broadcast. Thank God we finally got a, a, a broadcast team uh, on Sunday Night Baseball that you can listen to. Didn't make me want to turn off the television or turn it down. Matt Faskersian, thank God he's gone. A-Rod, see ya. He's over there doing some uh, BS thing with Michael K. these alternate broadcasts they do now. Uh, great. A disingenuous uh, piece of crap. So he's gone. You know, and now last night we get Carl Ravitch, very professional, did a great job. Uh, David Cohn, who is normally a Yankee broadcaster, has been doing color with the Yankees for years, now doing Sunday Night Baseball. Look, David Cohn's great. I'm telling you right now. I mean, David Cohn, uh, you're going to see and hear him more on national broadcasts, I think. This guy is a top-flight analyst. He's really, really good. Of course, he was a hell of a pitcher, too. Uh, And uh, uh, then uh, Eduardo Perez does a great job. I mean, that was a great broadcast to listen to last night. For with one exception. Please, for the love of God, can we stop putting microphones on players in de- in game? Please, I am begging you. They had a microphone on Kike Hernandez last night in the fourth inning, and it's a ru- inning when the Yankees are scoring two runs. And look, this is not about sour grapes that. You know, he's out there when the Yankees are hitting the ball. and it, No, it's just, there's no reason for it. You want to do it in the All-Star game when it doesn't count. You want to do it in spring training when the games don't count. Knock yourself out. But you don't do that in the middle of games. Look, I, have, I don't even like, you know, in football and in basketball when they're talking to coaches in the middle of games. I think that's stupid as well. But this is, this is worse. I mean, because it's not, you know, if you had them mic'd up and you're just hearing, you know, what they're saying to their teammates or, you know, whatever, that might be one thing. But you're listening. He's basically being interviewed by the announcers in the middle of the game. This would be like having a microphone or a headset on Tom Brady in the middle of an NFL game and having Jim Nance or whoever being able to ask him questions in the middle of a football game. These guys have a job to do. You know, you're going to put a microphone on LeBron James next in the middle of a basketball game and have him talk to the announcers while he's playing? What in the hell are you doing? It's stupid. Again, it's one thing to just get the background noise and the chatter maybe, you know, and take some of that and play it on the air when he's saying to his, you know, guy on either side. That's fine. But why why do broadcasters think it's okay to do this? Why do networks want to do this? Why does Major League Baseball allow? Well, you know why. Because Rob Manfred has shown that this is all about money, and he has told told these teams this is what you're going to do. But why is it that they do this in baseball? They don't do it in any other sport, nor should they do it in any sport. Let these guys do their jobs. It's baloney. And to have guy Jeff Passon on there last night on, on social media, oh, these cranks that don't like this on, uh, you know, what is it? Gives you great insight. What's wrong with you people? These people have a job to do. Hey, Jeff, how about if when you're trying to write a game story, 
you got somebody trying to ask you questions every 30 seconds while you're trying to do your job and you're trying to write a story. Wouldn't that annoy the crap out of you? So, you know, and I know that, that you know, you have to find a player that's willing to do it, yada, yada. But, but please, for the love of God, stop. It's just wrong. Uh, the other observation from the Red Sox game last night, what the hell is Christian Arroyo doing in right field? Christian Arroyo has never played the outfield in professional baseball. What the hell is he? He's an infielder. And you're starting him against the New York Yankees in Yankee Stadium in right field. And not for nothing, there were two balls that were hit out there last night. Well, one of them maybe not. There's a, a ball that was hit near the line that he, you know, he came after him, went into a slide and just missed it. But I'm telling you right now, I think Jackie Bradley gets to that ball. There's another ball that was hit later on. Jackie Bradley gets to that ball. Christian Arroyo can't get to. He's not an outfielder. And so if you're Alex Cora and I and and I put the blame right on Alex Cora and Heinblum. How can you build a roster where you're telling me that your fourth outfielder is an infielder, Christian Arroyo? I mean, I guess I should be – I mean, maybe I should be grateful they didn't throw J.D. Martinez out there, but at least J.D. Martinez has played the outfield in his life, for God's sake. You know, and they could have put J.D. in left field and put Alex Verdugo in right field because he's played right field before. What the hell was Christian Arroyo doing out there? And I know that, you know, uh, they didn't have uh, Trevor Story last night, so uh, Arias, uh, uh, Arauz, or whatever the hell his last name is, was in at second base. Bogart still playing short. Christian Arroyo in right field. Oh, my. It was, I mean, and thank God. In the eighth inning, they brought Jackie Bradley Jr. off the bench and put him in right field where he belongs. But I'm sorry. I mean, that's just bad roster construction by the Red Sox. Just, that's inexcusable. They won the game. I get it. You know, maybe I'm going a little bit too crazy, but I do not want Christian Arroyo in right field ever. Matter of fact, a guy who hasn't played the outfield before shouldn't be in right. If you're going to, you've seen guys that, that, you know, if you want to put somebody in the outfield, put them in left field. Don't put them in right field in Yankee Stadium when, you know, I mean, just good. P please, God. And, I, you know, and, and I thought back to, I was watching a, uh, the tribute Nesson had on to Jerry Remy, uh, who passed away, former Red Sox second baseman and broadcaster. And they showed a clip back to when Jerry Remy was a player. And there was a game where they had him in right field. And he had no idea what he was doing out there. Matter of fact, it was so bad that, you know, he turns around trying to make a play and he twisted it and he blew out his knee. Christian Arroyo doesn't belong in right field, and this is nothing against Christian Arroyo. I love the guy, and he's a, I love his attitude. Uh, he is a very good uh, middle infielder. Leave him there. Keep him the hell out of right field. I'm begging you. 30 minutes past. Yeah, we're going to take a break. Back in a minute. You're listening to The Wake Up Call on Sports Country. It's 32 minutes past the hour. Welcome back to the wake-up call here on a Monday morning. 
Um, the Red Sox signed Garrett Whitlock, uh, their young reliever that they got as a Rule 5 selection from the Yankees last year. Uh, they signed him to a four-year contract extension that's going to be worth $18.75 million. He gets a $1 million bonus just for signing the extension uh, on top of the $720,000 he's getting a salary this year. Uh, and then uh, he gets uh, a million next year, and then it jumps up 3.25, 5.25, 7.25. Uh, and uh, there's club options for 2027 and 2028 as well. Um, so uh, good for him. I mean, what a great story he has been. And like he said, it's surreal to him. You know, he, he said, uh, he's two years ago, I'm working two jobs. You know, he said, I'm trying to survive the COVID season and, you know, I'm a minor leaguer and, and now I'm sitting here doing this. And he said, it's just surreal. Uh, I can imagine. Um, the other contract news yesterday, and this was on or not over the weekend. It wasn't yesterday, but uh, very interesting that the Yankees did this. On the eve of their first game uh, against the Red Sox on Friday, Brian Cashman made a point of telling the media and Yankee fans specifically that Aaron Judge had turned down a huge extension offer that was going to pay him in the vicinity or around $31 million a year average annual value. $31 million a year. And he, for like, I want to say it was for like seven years. And he turned him down because it wasn't enough money. And Brian Cashman was very pointed about this. He said, look, we looked at the numbers and we went on based on uh, the contract values for people like Bryce Harper, uh, Mike Trout, people that play his position that are similar type superstars. And they determined that based on the numbers, this is where Aaron Judge falls. Look, my, uh, uh, Mike Trout, I think this year is making $37 million. Bryce Harper's making like $33 million. So, so he was going to be just short of that. You know, about $31 million a year. And Aaron Judge says, no, no, it's not enough. And by the way, Aaron Judge is 30 years old. So this is going to take him through his age 37 season. And, you know, by the time that contract was up, he, you know, he wouldn't have a lot left in the tank. And make no mistake, Brian Cashman and the Yankees did this on purpose so that when they don't re-sign him, Yankee fans will see Aaron Judge as the villain. He will be seen as the greedy villain that $31 million a year was not enough for me. I'm, I'm greater than that. I deserve more than that. Here's the thing. Look, Aaron Judge is a very, very, very good player, all right, when he can stay on the field. The problem with Aaron Judge is, is that he has been injured often. So if you're the Yankees, yes, while he's out there, he's one of the best players in the game. If you're the Yankees, you're saying, but we, you know, you're, the history tells us that you're not going to play a full season. So, you know, I don't know. I mean, look, last year he hit 287. Hit 39 bombs. You know, 
there's no question. I mean, he's an excellent right fielder. You can't argue that stuff. But is he better than Mike Trout? Nope. Is he better than Bryce Harper? Nope. There's probably five or six other guys that you can make the case are better than Aaron Judge. So what makes Aaron Judge think that he deserves more money than a guy like Bryce Harper, who's already got, by the way, a couple of MVPs in his closet and you know may win another one this year? Mike Trout, who's got a handful of them. You know, what makes you think that you deserve money for guys that have been most valuable players in baseball? And yet you think that that you deserve more than they do. Not a good look for Aaron Judge and his agents. And it will be very, very interesting. And he would, uh, I, I can't remember who it was that said they talked to him on the ESPN, I don't know where it was David Cohn or somebody, but they made a comment to him or they asked him about the extension and uh, Aaron Judge kind of like just winked at him and said, we're in really good shape. Basically saying we're going to get what we want. And he may. There'll be somebody out there to be willing to pay it, but it may not be New York. Because if it, it almost tells me that the Yankees have drawn a line in the sand. Why else would you put this out there and make it so that the media can can run with this unless you want to make the player look bad? And if you want to make the player look bad, that means the player is not going to be thinking too kindly about you when it comes time for free agency. And if somebody offers him the same amount of money somewhere else, maybe he's going to go somewhere else because you've thrown him under the bus. And uh, so uh, there's a part of me that thinks he's as good as gone from New York. And and by the way, um, everybody else in the American League East would be very happy if that's the case. Although although with the schedule change next year, um, I don't know if you saw this, but uh, one of the things that they're going to do next year is they're going to change the schedule so that you play everybody in Major League Baseball during the course of the year. So instead of playing everybody within your division 19 times, now you may only play them 13 times because you're going to have to play all the other teams in the National League. Um, you know, before it was just playing one division. Now you're going to play every team in the National League. So it, it will be interesting uh, to see what happens with Aaron Judge. But I think... My gut tells me he's out of there. We'll see. But but just uh, an interesting tact that they took. Um, other news around Major League Baseball yesterday, the Atlanta Braves, the defending World Series champions, lose again. Uh, they lose to the Cincinnati Reds yesterday 6-3. to three. So uh, they split a four-game series with the Reds. Uh, the Reds, who jettisoned an awful lot of people this year, uh, with a great performance yesterday. Uh, now they uh, Hunter Green, who was their number two overall draft pick back in 2017, got his first uh, major league start. Went five innings, only gave up four hits. He did give up three runs, but that's because he gave up two home runs. He struck out seven, reached 100 miles an hour, 20 times in the game. Threw 92 pitches in five innings and uh, was throwing absolute gas. 
uh, struck out Matt Olson uh, for his first career strikeout, 100-mile-an-hour fastball right down the middle. He couldn't catch up to it. Uh, but then the bullpen for the uh, Reds do, does a great job as well. Luis Sessa, uh, Warren picks up his first save of the season. Uh, Ian Anderson got roughed up for the Braves. Uh, two and two-thirds innings. He had some serious control problems. He walked five guys in two and two-thirds, uh, gave up three hits. Uh, they have to get him out of there. Sean Newcomb comes in. Uh, he ends up giving up a home run. Uh, they settled things down from there. Uh, Colin McHugh, Tyler Thornburg, a, a second really good uh, performance uh, for the Braves. Looks like Tyler Thornburg, who was uh, you know previously a really good reliever for the Brewers, ran into a bunch of injury problems after the Red Sox traded for him. Uh, but another uh, scoreless outing for him in inning in a third. But the Reds uh, split that series uh, two games apiece. And so now the Reds uh, will have today off. Uh, they have their home opener coming up on Tuesday uh, against the Cleveland Indians. Shane Bieber will be get to start for Cleveland in that one. And uh, the Braves get a bit of a break. Uh, they get to play the Washington Nationals. Uh, Huskar Yanoa will get to start tonight. Uh, for the Braves, um, and uh, we don't know who is going to start for the Nationals. It was supposed to be Annabelle Sanchez, but he has got some neck issues, a stiff neck, so they're not sure whether he'll be available or not. Uh, but uh, a bit of a, uh, uh, I don't know, I want to say a rough start for the Braves, but I think they expected to win that series. But the Reds uh, take the fourth game to uh, split the series at two games apiece. The Mets lose their first game of the season. They had won the first three from the Nationals, they lose yesterday uh, as the bullpen kind of implodes a little bit. The Nationals come back to win it 4-2. to two. Uh, The Mets entered the uh, bottom of the eighth inning with a 2-1 to one lead. Jason Shreve came on uh, in the sixth inning, uh, pitched uh, an inning and a third. The interesting thing here was is he came back out to start the eighth inning after uh, getting four outs, getting through the rest of the sixth, pitching a scoreless seventh. They bring him out to start the eighth inning because there's a left-handed batter up. And he ends up giving up a hit. So they have to go to Trevor Williams. Trevor Williams ends up giving up two hits. Uh, there's uh, an error in the field by uh, uh, Pete Alonzo and uh, a, a two-run single by Nelson Cruz. And uh, the Washington Nationals win it by a score of 4-2. Nelson Cruz, by the way, his 450th career home run in this game. Uh, he went 2-4. for four. Uh, And the Nationals, despite only getting five hits in the game, uh, beat the Newark Mets, picked up their first win of the season. Eric Fetty, by the way, goes five innings in the start for Washington. Doesn't figure in the decision, but a solid start uh, for Fetty. He becomes the first starter for the Nationals to actually get through five innings. Uh, it had been a bit of a uh, a uh, rough start for them. Uh, the Mets will now uh, play the Philadelphia Phillies. Taiwan Walker is going to get the start uh, for the Mets in that game today. Michael Chavis, former Red Sox second baseman, got traded to the Pittsburgh Pirates last year. Uh, grand slam home run yesterday for the Pirates. Uh, they come back to beat the St. Louis Cardinals by a final of 9-4. to four. Uh, so the Pirates, with that pathetic payroll of theirs, pick up their first win of the season. Uh, they will finish that four-game series today. It'll be Zach Thompson pitching for Pittsburgh. Uh, Dakota Hudson will get the start for the uh, St. Louis Cardinals this afternoon. 
Uh, Thompson, by the way, came over from Pittsburgh uh, uh, in a trade back on November 29th. He was 3-7 and seven last year, but he had a very respectable 3.24 ERA. Uh, and uh, Hudson has had pretty good success uh, against the Pirates over the years, so they will look to uh, take three out of four in that one today. Um, it is 45 minutes past the hour. We're going to take one more break. Uh, when we come back, got a couple more things around Major League Baseball, and uh, then we're going to talk uh, about that uh, just horrific news uh, coming out of uh, Florida this weekend about Dwayne Haskins. Back in a minute, you're listening to The Wake Up Call on Sports Country. It is 47 minutes past the hour. Welcome back to The Wake Up Call. Uh, Bud Black picked up his uh, 1,000th win as a manager yesterday. Uh, of course, the coach of the Colorado Rockies. They beat the Los Angeles Dodgers yesterday 9-4 uh, to four in uh, an insane game. The winds at this game were blowing. Uh, they were gusting to 40 miles an hour. 40 miles an hour. Uh, uh, a couple of errors in the outfield because of that. Chris Bryant dropped a uh, a fly ball in the outfield for three-run error on a ball hit by Freddie Freeman. Uh, Chris Taylor did the same thing. He misplayed one by uh, Ryan McMahon in the first inning, allowed a couple of runs to score. Uh, just uh, an insane uh, game. C.J. Crone, a two-run home run uh, for the uh, Rockies, and uh, they uh, end up beating the Dodgers uh, by a final of 9-4, to four, taking two out of three in that one. How about that? Uh, Dodgers are going to be off today. They have a two-game series in Minnesota starting on Tuesday. Uh, the Rockies open a two-game series uh, in Texas uh, today. Austin Gomber is going to get the start uh, for Colorado in that one. Uh, news out of – how about this? This kid out of uh, uh, Japan, a uh, kid by the name of uh, Rocky Sasaki – <laughs> it's probably, or maybe it's Roki Sasaki. Uh, kid's 20 years old. Pitched a perfect game in the Japanese league uh, over the weekend. 19 strikeouts. At one point, he struck out 13 guys in a row. And here's what's amazing. He only needed 105 pitches to do it. You know, Jesus, we have guys that will throw 105 pitches in five innings. This kid struck out 13, and it takes more pitches to strike guys out than it does to just get, you know, ground balls and flyouts because you usually have to work the count a little bit. 105 pitches, nine-inning complete game, perfect game. Uh, 16th perfect game in Japanese uh, major leagues. First one since 1994, by the way. Kid's 20. 20. So, of course, now everybody wants to know, well, geez, when is uh, he going to get posted? When's he coming to the major leagues? Uh, you know what? You know, it. It could happen. I don't know if it's going to happen at age 20 because I'm sure the Japanese League would like to hang on to uh, that kid for a little while longer. Uh, the uh, San Diego Padres with a win yesterday. They beat the Diamondbacks 10-5. Padres take three out of four. Uh, Blake Snell is supposed to get this start uh, for the Padres, but uh, he got scratched just before the game started. And so Nabil Krismat comes out of the bullpen, makes an emergency start, throws uh, three shutout innings. He thought he was going to be in a bullpen. Uh, three shutout innings. Uh, then the bullpen does the job the rest of the way. They got uh, some runs um, off of Guerra. They got two, uh, four runs off of Guerra in two innings to make it look somewhat respectable. But Arizona gets blitzed um, at 10-5. And the Padres, you know, and think about this. The Padres win three out of four in this series. And... Uh, 
Luke Voigt has been a big part of that. Uh, Jay Cronenworth has gotten off to a bad start. Uh, Manny Machado, and a so-so start, and yet they still take three out of four. And you know that's without Fernando Tatis Jr. That's without uh, having Mike Clevenger. Uh, you know, this team is just going to get better as it gets more healthy. Uh, the National League should be very, very worried about this San Diego team. I think, I said it, I think they're going to win the National League West. Um, they are just dynamite. I still think the Braves are probably the class of the National League, but I think this Padres team uh, could be very, very special this year. I really do. Um, all right, let's finish things out this morning. Uh, as I mentioned, uh, and, and everybody's heard by now probably, uh, Dwayne Haskins. Uh, quarterback for the Pittsburgh Steelers. A guy uh, was a Heisman Trophy runner-up, played at Ohio State, uh, set single-season records at Ohio State for touch, uh, passing touchdowns, yards passing. Uh, he was the MVP of the Rose Bowl in 2019. Uh, his year as a starter for Ohio State, they went 13-1. and So he gets drafted in the first round by, uh, at the time, what was the Washington Redskins, now the Washington Commanders. A uh, couple of rough years there. Ends up uh, getting traded or released, basically, and uh, gets picked up by the Pittsburgh Steelers. He was a backup for the Steelers last year. I think he only dressed for one game. But he was going to have a chance to compete for the starting job this year with uh, uh, Mason Rudolph uh, with the retirement of uh, Ben Roethlisberger. And by all accounts, this is a kid that was uh, – you know, always smiling, happy-go-lucky kind of guy. Um, and, and it wasn't just, you know, uh, his pro teammates saying that. Supposedly, you know, everybody in college said he's just like the sweetest kid and and very happy. And um, he was trying to cross an interstate in Florida this weekend. He was down there working out with some of his Steelers teammates. And he was on an eight-lane highway. It was four lanes in either direction. It was I-595, and he was right near the intersection of I-595 and I-95. Dressed all in black and trying to cross the highway. Eight lanes. And he got hit by a dump truck. He's 24 years old. Now, look, the fact that he is... is uh, uh, was killed is tragic in and of itself, but it begs the question, what the hell was he doing? There's no indication that he had a car that had broken down or anything like that. It wasn't a situation where he was a stranded motorist, at least not that we can tell, not that, you know, and, and the news has come out over the last couple of days and nobody can really figure out what the hell he was doing. A couple of other uh, motorists had seen him on the highway trying to cross, and they had actually called saying, hey, I'm afraid if you don't get out here and get this guy, something bad's going to happen. Well, guess what? Something bad happened. You know, and they said that he was out there, and it was kind of like, you know, uh, I don't, you know, you know, you wonder, what, was he drunk? You know what? I mean, I, from all accounts, as they said, it wasn't the situation, didn't sound like a situation where he was would have been despondent and, you know, you know, maybe, you know, going to step in front of a vehicle to commit suicide by the way i knew somebody who did that uh, another no, we don't need to get into that but but you know it doesn't seem like like it would be something like that so what the hell was he doing i mean you don't cross an interstate for no reason 
You know, so you really wonder what was going on there. It's, but you know, it's just it's just awful, absolutely awful. And then right after it happens, and this, I, I still, I, as a matter of fact, I got to go to my phone. Uh, of course, I texted Dan Zampano, uh, our NFL correspondent, about it, and I said, "Did you hear?" And he said, "Oh my God!" He said, uh, "You know, way too young." You know, but uh, Gil Brandt, former executive for the Dallas Cowboys. After Dwayne Haskins was killed by, after he got hit by the vehicle, Dwayne Haskins, or Gil Brandt said, and I quote, he was living to be dead. First of all, I'm not even sure what that means, but I mean, it sounds like he's just like, well, he was, you know, he, he just, you know, he wanted to, you know, he was living life uh, on the edge and, you know, but, but there's no indication that that was the kind of kid that he was. And <laughs> Dan called, Dan said, uh, and I quote, and uh, he says uh, that he was a golden asshole for saying that. And he was now Brant after that, because he took some major heat, uh, obviously was trying to walk it back a little bit and, you know, apologize for what he said. What? Yo, Jesus. That's why he said, you know, we ought to take the phones away from grandpa. I'm sure at some point there's going to be an intervention in my life where, you know, my wife and friends are going to say, get Gene away from the microphone. Don't let him talk to people on the Internet anymore. <laughs> but uh, just anyway, I mean, you just sometimes people just just shut up. Just if you I mean, good Lord. Uh, but now they uh, the police are saying we'll have a full report in the next three to four months. Three to four months, uh, but just it just doesn't seem to be any rhyme or reason for it. But my God, twenty-four years old, uh, a professional athlete, seemingly everything to live for, uh, and tragically cut down, uh, and and we may never know why. Me never know. That's going to do it for us here this morning. We'll be back tomorrow with another edition of the Wake Up Call. Just a uh, programming note, uh, I am heading back up to Connecticut midweek um, to visit my uh, elderly mom. I'm going to be gone for a week, so we'll have a show tomorrow, but then we'll be off the air for a week, and uh, we'll be back uh, after I get back uh, from my trip north. So, uh, uh, But we will be here tomorrow. So we'll leave you this morning with some music from uh, folks like them. It's a father-son team out of North Carolina. A great album, by the way. You know, some old-time country music. Uh, this one's called When I Pass. Have a great day. We'll see you tomorrow. You've been listening to The Wake Up Call on Sports Country.